to come here to a venue like this, my God. I mean, if I were a player, this would be my resting place if I were a free agent. So, David, we can't talk about free agents, but um, my gosh, if I were a player coming to see a building like this, I know I'd have great interest playing one of the great cities in America. Sports Phone 680 with Ray Woodson continues on KNBR 680, the sports leader. That, of course, the voice of Jerry West at the news conference to announce uh, the Warriors' intention to move to San Francisco, build an arena at Piers 30 and 32 along the Embarcadero by 2017, having it ready for basketball. And uh, one of the guys who's certainly going to be interested and involved is Bob Myers, Warriors' new general manager who joins us on Sports Phone 680 tonight. Bob, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I was just uh, watching another Bruin, Drew Holiday, and the uh, 76ers get it done against the Celtics, taking it to a Game 7. No Bruins. Yeah. Well, between me and Burns and, and Brian Murphy, you, 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 around every corner here, there's a Bruin now. Too bad he didn't, you know, he, he didn't leave an indelible mark. He was only there a year. I was yeah. Had Drew for all the guys, are, the, the ones that are too good, Kevin Love, Drew, they all... They all left pretty quick. I wish they would have stuck around a little bit. Yeah, one and done. But, you know, we still claim them anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're doing great. Happy for them. Yeah, you know, and Ben Howland gets gets a lot of knocks, and, you know, there, there was some bad publicity. But, uh, you know, he can always point to the several players who are making an impact right now in the NBA if he wants to talk to, you know, a recruit like a Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook, Love, uh, Holiday, Bamute, Aflalo. There's a huge track record. Uh, Jordan Farmer has had a good career, won some championships. So, yeah, I think uh, recent history has shown that uh, he's he's found the right guys. hard part is keeping him around, but every college coach deals with that these days. Yeah, absolutely. I think they ought to change rules on that, but that, that's a discussion for another time. All the Cal and Stanford people in the audience right now listening say, you know, take your brewing love somewhere else. But yeah, so- right. They don't want to hear this. They don't. They- they're turning the channel right now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not listening anymore. Listen, let's hold them. Let's hold them before they leave uh, and, and talk a little bit about uh, this arena. And, and, you know, from the basketball angle, and, 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 you know, we talk about what's going on with the A's and, you know, th- their strategy moving down to San Jose. And I, I guess the idea is to have a good team by the time they get here, uh, by the time they get to San Jose, if they get there. Guys, I mean, I would imagine you have to have a quality product on the floor in the run-up to the arena a couple of years before, at least. Yeah. I mean, look, we'd like to have a quality product yesterday. Of course. So I think, um, does it put pressure on us to perform in the next five years? Yeah, it does. But that doesn't diminish the pressure that exists at 8 o'clock tonight <laughs> that's already there. I think um, I don't think anybody in the organization is saying, well, let's just relax now and we have five years to get a good team. I think... Um, it's gone on too long, right? This is mm-hmm. losing is too long. So I, I don't think anybody wants to lose for one more year or two more years or one more day. So I think uh, we're going to try and win. We're going to try and win now uh, and have a winning team next year and have a winning team the following year and, and hopefully just ride that right into uh, San Francisco. But it doesn't mean we're going to kind of sit on our hands. We're going to move forward and, and try to get it going right away. You know, his friend, friend was asking me about this this potential move, and, you know, one of the things I said is, you know, basketball, pro sports, it's part showbiz. And, you know, I, I imagine that's part of what this move is about. But does it necessarily mean it's going to be easier to attract free agents? Well, I used to, I used to sit across from my old clients and ask them where they wanted to play and present options to them in my, my past life as an agent. And I'll tell you that... Um, 
represented some pretty pretty good players, ones that were in demand. And uh, there's a lot of factors that go into where you choose to go. And money is the first one, to be candid. Uh, if you're going to make $5 million more going to a potentially small market team, usually that's where you go. Um, if it's close mm-hmm. and you see a good market and a good ownership group and a chance to win, you probably can, uh, a client will probably choose to, uh, to go there. So I think the concept and the idea of a new arena is a very positive factor when uh, trying to lure free agents, but it's only one of the factors. You can't say to a player, no player is going to decide to go to a team just based on the fact that a new arena is there. It's one part of the equation, along with the money, along with the chance to win, along with who's coaching the team. It does say a lot about ownership, though, Ray. It does say that you're going to a place that's committed to winning and committed to spending uh, will not take the easy route, uh, is, is an organization that uh, will do all it takes to win, and is actually taking action and showing that, not just saying that. that that's what I would pass along to a client, say, hey, look, this, this group of people is, is taking on a huge private expenditure. Uh, these are the people you want to align yourself with. So I think it will help, absolutely it will help, but it's one part of it. And we have to win, and we have to pay. So uh, hopefully uh, all those things happen. Are you going to be uh, taking notes on uh, how the Nets handle it with their move to the new arena? Well, we've, 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 uh, our ownership group went over there and took a look at it, and I know their general manager pretty well. And I can tell you that, uh, again, having a new arena is only positive in regards to how players view that. The newness of it is exciting. Every player wants to be a part of something new. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be the one to play the first game in a new arena. So that is exciting for, for myself, to be honest, as far as any, I'm sure any player that would play uh, the first season in, in that building. So, yeah, I know Billy King, the New Jersey uh, general manager, now Brooklyn general manager. And I will tell you that if you were to ask me, is it easier to get a player in the 2012 free agency class to go play for the Brooklyn Nets than it would have been to play in New Jersey? Absolutely. Absolutely. If a player says, am I going to go play for Brooklyn in a new arena, that's intriguing. Um, is it the only factor? Again, no, but yeah. it's certainly a positive. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Talking to uh, Warriors general manager Bob Myers here on Sports Phone 680, Ray Woodson in tonight, and uh, the uh, move to San Francisco, you know, leaves behind a few fans, I suppose, on the east side of the Bay who are saying, you know, what are we, chopped liver? The you know, Oracle Arena was pretty good. What do you say to those fans? Oh, uh, you know what? I think uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting thing, but I do believe that East Bay will enjoy San Francisco as much as they'll enjoy Oakland as far as getting there, uh, as far as enjoying the experience of attending a Warriors game. I'm standing outside in Alamo, California right now talking to you on the phone. Mm. And uh, when presented with an option of tickets to go to a game and somebody said, hey, we're going to Warriors game, we're going to Oakland, or we're going to San Francisco, I would say as an East Bay resident for many, many years, uh, I don't view it as a huge hurdle. Uh, I view it as, for one, attending a new arena is exciting. Two, you can combine it potentially with all the things you can do in San Francisco pre-game, post-game. And three, public transportation in regards to getting there is a pretty similar experience. You can get off BART. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be ferry service. So if it means not driving and if it means taking BART or walking or taking a Muni, there's all these different ways to do it. And, and look, 
I, I, it may be disappointing to certain people, but San Francisco is a world-class city. Oakland is uh, has been great. The fans from the East Bay have been great. We hope they continue to be great in regards to uh, our new location in San Francisco. But I think um, give it a try, what I would tell people uh, from the East Bay, and, and see if you like it. And I think people will. It's obviously five years away. But I would say uh, give it a try, and I think people will enjoy the experience. Oh, yeah, getting off at the Embarcadero Station, that walk is, you know, not much further. I don't know if even it is further than the, the walk from uh, the uh, Coliseum Station on BART to, to Oracle Arena right now. But I, I think they do have to get more parking spaces down in that area. I, I, I yeah. don't see any way around that. It has to be, and there's, there's a ton of different ideas on how to do it. But the best thing is, Ray, is that people, are, people that are designing this within our office and the firms we've hired are extremely sensitive to that question. And so it's not going to be a situation where we build an arena and then two weeks into it uh, we say, wow, we didn't think about parking. <laughs> so all these things are going to be thoroughly vetted, uh, thoroughly analyzed, because if we don't build an arena or a structure that's easy to access, it doesn't matter how nice it is. If people, if it's, if it's too difficult to get there, if it's too difficult to get in the building, if it's too difficult to get to the building, it doesn't matter what we do. So those factors are extremely important. I know it's not your department, but I just wonder uh, what happens on nights when the Giants and the Warriors are sa- playing at the same time. That's going to be interesting. You know, I, it's, it's something somebody brought up, and they said that there's a, not a ton of overlap um, between the baseball schedule and the basketball schedule. I, I did see that, so I'd have to – I don't know the specifics, but that question was raised, and I, the answer that I did see was that uh, if, you, if you examine it closely, there's not a huge overlap, uh, if any, but um, that's something that will be looked at as well. I'm sure that they'll get together on scheduling and work on that if there is some overlap because nobody wants, I'm sure for the Giants, I'm sure for our organization, nobody wants that to, to be a problem. But I think just at a cursory glance, uh, from what I've been told, it doesn't appear to be a major issue. Maybe not regular season in April, but if you guys are good, then there will be more right. overlap. Absolutely. So that's, uh, again... You saw what happened in Staples Center down uh, with the Clippers oh playing goodness. in the playoffs, the Lakers, the Kings, and uh, you know they were scared to death with traffic and, and turnaround in the arena, and they, they actually figured it out, and it went smoothly. But you got to plan for those things. And, yes, uh, Ray, I hope we're planning for the playoffs. I'd be disappointed if we aren't in five years. So um, hopefully we get that part right. To me, I view that as a good problem. And I think if we're in the playoffs, fans of the Giants, of the Warriors, will uh, maybe uh, be okay dealing with that. I think they would. I think they could probably work around it. You know, and it's the same thing like with the Carmageddon down in L.A. last year where they had that big closure and everybody was scared away. And oh, yeah. it, it did work out as, as it turned out. And I think that, you know, everything worked out at the Staples Center except for the result you know, yeah. of those games. Well, Not a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and I don't have a ton of sympathy. I, I you know, we uh, we got to worry about ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Not those LA people. I, I grew up up here, so I the LA I, I I was I had a hard time living in LA for eighteen years, being a Warriors fan. Um, it's uh, it wasn't a good place to be. <laughs> well, I grew up in LA. I grew up in LA, moved up here, and now I'm just down the road from Alamo, and I don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, this is yeah. to me is the best place in the world to live. And uh, plan to stay here as long as I can. And you know, it, seeing a new arena or new new stadium is obviously very exciting for fans. And I think the excitement will build as as they get closer to it. There, there are a lot of hurdles to overcome here, obviously. And getting things done in the city of San Francisco is not always easy. There there are going to be a lot of hearings and so forth. 
And we've seen with that site, you know, there there have been some difficulties there. So I, I'd imagine, you know, again, it's not like it hasn't been vetted out, but there's going to be a lot of prep work before they even put a shovel in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why prior to even making the announcement, there was a lot of diligence and a lot of effort put into, is this viable? Uh, is this a situation where we're missing something? Uh, is there a major red flag that we're overlooking? And, and look, you never can tell, Ray, like you said. I mean, there's going to be something that comes up that wasn't anticipated, whether it's a, um, a, red, you know, whether it's a, a major issue, minor issue, it's five minor issues, it's two major, whatever it is. Absolutely, something's going to come up. But I think if you watch the press conference and you saw the people that are behind this, there's enough people behind it, whether they're in the city, whether they're part of our group with the Warriors, whether they're part of the state uh, with Lieutenant Governor Newsom, whether it's David Stern. Everybody that was there was a doer and has done things uh, and is used to getting things done. So it wasn't, I believe, a group of people standing up there saying things that wasn't accomplished. It's a very accomplished group that was actually putting their names on this. Um, I think if you, if, if any of those people had felt this was something that was untenable or something that was a pie-in-the-sky type vision, they wouldn't have attended because everybody's mm-hmm. got a reputation up there. And the things that they said certainly made me believe, Ray, that this was uh, a good possibility of happening. All right, we're talking a couple more minutes with uh, Warriors General Manager Bob Myers, and let's look uh, just a short uh, distance down the road toward the draft and, and the off season here in the summertime. What can you do to uh, assure the ping pong balls bounce your way uh, in New York? Uh, can you, if you got any ideas or any of the <laughs> listeners, do I? I'm, I'm taking uh, advice on that. The answer, the truthful answer, answer is nothing. I can't do anything to make sure the ping pong no. balls. I can live a clean life. I can. Uh, I can try and uh, have karma on my side, or uh, but beyond that, the balls are going to fall where they do. And I can say this, and I was told that in the last 14 years, the Warriors have moved back five times and stayed where we are nine. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, look, odds are you move up. Has to happen good at some point. Anthony Davis, there you go. Right, there you go. Hey, if that happens, we're all happy. So, um, but again, I wish I had an answer for how do we move the ping pong balls. No, no. I can't do it. Of, you know. of course. But you're going to have contingencies. I mean, you still have a first-round pick later in you know, the draft. But what are the plans if it goes one way or the other? Well, certainly if it goes the way where we are uh, – we're getting our pick, it gives us a chance to look at some very good players. Um, and uh, that's going to be a good thing in, in a good draft. It gives you a chance to look to trade the pick for an asset. It looks, gives you a chance to draft a player in that range. If we don't get it, we'll have 30 and 35 and 52, which is still uh, gives us some good assets. You could package 30 and 35 mm-hmm. and move up higher in the draft. Um, you could draft there if you'd like. You could trade one of those picks for an asset. Uh, so there's a lot of different options, and we actually had a pretty good conversation today over at our facility and, and with all our with the coach, Mark Jackson, and, and Jerry West, and our owner, Joe Lacob, and, and the rest of our basketball team. And we really vetted out all the things you just asked me, and it took about five hours, and I'm sure we could have gone another five hours. Um, can so can we go over that conversation? <laughs> we can go till midnight here. 
Yeah, and it, it, it would be an interesting one, uh, but I only have a couple of minutes to go. So yeah, that's all right. After the 30th, I'll call you back, and then we can all get right. more specific, because uh, after those balls drop, we'll, we'll, it'll be a lot clearer for us, certainly, Ray. Absolutely. Uh, as far as what we're able to do, but I for sure hope we get it, because the options certainly improve. Do you draft for need, or are you just draft for best available? Best available, I think, is uh, the philosophy we prescribe to, and I think it's the right one, because I think once you get caught up in that for need, you're essentially admitting uh, that you're letting a better player go by you. And uh, I don't know that that's the right way to do anything. I think if you forego a talented player at any position, you may regret it later. And um, certainly if, if you view two players equally, which is a rarity, you draft the player you need more mm-hmm. than the other. But, but likely you have one player, when it comes down to it and the clock's ticking down, you have to make a selection. You, the group... Uh, has decided that they feel like, uh, and we rank the players before the draft, whoever's there, you make that determination, you take them. And it never goes, Ray, it never goes like you think it's going to (laughs) go. I can tell you that. Um, It's always, there's always something that surprises you. Obviously, if you have the number one pick, Mm -hmm. then you can dictate how it goes. But uh, if you have the seventh pick, there's going to be something that jumps out in front of you that just is a surprise. Uh, We were last year with Clay Thompson, uh, a couple of things happened in front of us that allowed him to get to us. But, um, you know, some of them were surprising, to be honest. So you've got to be prepared for anything. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I like the Clay Thompson pick, and I think he's going to pan out to be a pretty good player. Uh, you've got the mid-level exception, too. Uh, how are you approaching that? You, you did your homework here, Ray. This is, this is pretty good stuff. A little bit. High-end questions. Um, mid-level exception, for those that don't know, it's, it's about $5 million a year. You can spend it up to four years. We have it. Every team has it each year. You have to be careful with how you use it. And just having it doesn't mean you spend it. So with with what we're looking at, um, I think we have a young team. We need to rebound. We were last or near last in rebounding in a lot of categories, offensive rebounds, points in the paint, getting to the free throw line. So to get a veteran four or five player at that mid-level would be nice. If we don't get a guy we deem worthy of that type of, type of money, we can split it up and spread it amongst one, two, three players. Um, and that can be advantageous as well. So, again, it's a $5 million chunk of money. You can go out four years with it. But it doesn't mean you have to spend it all on one player. So we're going to look at all our options. It'll somewhat be predicated on what we do in the draft mm-hmm. as to how we spend the mid-level. And I guess uh, really future also is predicated on a couple of ankles as well. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, I, I keep using the line, Danny Ainge, told me one day, which was, uh, the best ability is availability. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, that trumps them all, doesn't it? Yeah, right. That certainly uh, applies to us in the 2012-13 season. We can make all the right moves, draft the best player, sign who we think is the best player, but if our one and five don't hold up, it's going to be a tough year. And I think we're watching the playoffs right now, and you've seen some major players on major teams go down. Mm-hmm. And uh Absolutely. That affects the results. And um, you lose your point guard, you lose your center, and you're not going to be as good. That's just how it goes. I mean, one player in the NBA uh, can determine your fate. So we have to be healthy. We're being really uh, diligent and responsible about how both those players rehab, Bogut and Curry. And, uh, yeah, they have to be healthy for us to be successful. How are they doing right now? Great. Curry's rehabbing in Charlotte. Our trainers are going to go out and see him. Uh, I think in a week or so, and then he's going to come back out here in June to be around during the draft. And then Bo gets all the way over in Australia, 
and we're going to actually have our trainer and a strength coach go see him as well in the next month. And uh, the nice thing about Bogut is he actually has a gym and a facility at his house, and he's a serious guy about his rehab. So um, mm-hmm. we feel good. We feel confident both will be back, and they're tracking well. So, Ray, I think, uh, I think so far so good. All right. Well, it's going to be a very interesting offseason and, and hopefully a very interesting upcoming season as well. And, you know, upcoming five seasons as uh, you run up to the arena in uh, 2017. And that first win you get in the new arena, uh, you know, everybody's going to don a Warriors wetsuit and jump into the bay, right? <laughs> I, but I will, Ray. I don't know if anybody will follow me. I'll do it. <laughs> That'll be worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> See, I'm always thinking marketing. Uh, always thinking marketing. Uh, it could be wetsuit good. night. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right, Ray. Thanks a lot. Take care. Uh, That's Bob Myers, Warriors GM. That would be great. First win in the new arena. Everybody jump in the band in a wetsuit. It'll be like, uh, you know, their version of the the Dinosaur Classic. Uh, Maybe not. All right. Back to... uh,